You're listening to the Odyssey Out Loud. I'm Anna Katerina. Episode 24 In the Cyclops Cave. When dawn appeared, Rosefinger Child of the Morning, the Cyclops lit a fire, milked the fine sheep just the way it should be done, and put their kids under each. Then, when he'd lost no time in getting his work done, he grabbed hold of two men at once and made his breakfast. He ate, and then he drove the fat sheep out of the cave, easily moving the great stone out of the way. Then he put it right back, like putting the lid on a quiver. With a lot of whistling, the Cyclops herded the fat sheep to the mountain. That left me brooding on dark thoughts, trying to think up some way I could make him pay. And Athena would give me victory. And here's what I came up with. The Cyclops' huge club lay by the sheepfold. Pale green olive wood that he'd cut so he could carry it when it dried. Looking at it, we figured it was about as big as the mast of a twenty-oared black ship. A wide merchant vessel that crosses the great gulf of the sea. It was that long, and looked about that thick. Standing next to it, I cut off about an arm span's worth, put it down next to my crew, and had them taper it. They smoothed it, I stood nearby and sharpened the end, and then I quickly took it and hardened it in the burning fire. I stuck it well out of the way, hiding it under one of the piles of dung spread around the cave. Then I told everyone to cast lots, for who'd dare to lift the stake with me and grind it into the cyclops' eye when he fell into sweet sleep. It turned out they picked the same men I'd have chosen. Four men, five counting myself. The Cyclops came back in the evening, herding his fine-fleeced sheep. First things first, he drove the fat sheep into the wide cave, every single one. None were left outside in the deep courtyard. Either he suspected something, or a god made him do it. Then he lifted the great stone door high up and put it in place, and sat milking the ewes and bleeding goats just the way it should be done, and put their kids under each. Once he'd lost no time in getting his work done, he again grabbed hold of two men at once and made his dinner. Then I went up to the Cyclops with a cup of dark wine in my hands and spoke to him. Here, Cyclops, have some wine. And once you've eaten your human flesh, drink up, so you can have some idea what sort of drink our ship had in it. I brought this offering along for you, hoping you might take pity on me and send me home, but you're too wild. You fool, you've been so awful, why would anyone else in the whole world come visit you after this? That's what I said. And he took it and drank it and was so horribly delighted by the sweet drink that he asked for seconds. Don't hold back, he said. And tell me your name right away so I can give you a guest gift you'll like. Sure, we grow grapes on our own rich land and the rain from Zeus makes them grow, but this here is a bit of ambrosia and nectar. That's what he said. And then I gave him more of the shining wine. I gave him more three times. And he drank it three times without a second thought. Then, once the wine had gone to his head, I said to him very nicely, All right then, Cyclops, you want to know my illustrious name, I'll tell you. But you have to give me a guest gift like you promised. My name is Nobody. My mother, father, all of my friends, they call me Nobody. That's what I said. And he immediately replied with a cruel heart, Out of all of his crew, I'll eat Nobody last. The rest before him. That will be my guest gift to you. That's what he said. And then he tipped over and fell back. Once he was down, his thick neck lolling to the side, sleep that overcomes us all took him. Drunk with wine, he threw it all up. Wine and bits of human beings spilling from his mouth. 
Then, right away, I drove the stake under the pile of embers until it was hot and rallied my crew so no one would cower in fear and hesitate. But when, all of a sudden, the olive wood stake in the fire was glowing terribly and about to catch fire even though it was green, I pulled it up out of the flames and my crew gathered around and our confidence grew, like a great spirit had breathed strength into us. While they held on to the sharp olive wood staff and thrust it into his eye, I angled it and twisted it, like when someone bores the beam of a ship with an auger while men underneath spin it holding on to the ends of a leather strap, and it runs smoothly without stopping. Just like that, we took the wooden beam with its fire-hardened point and we twisted it in his eye, and the blood boiled up from the heat. The waves of heat from the burning eyeball singed all around his eyelids and eyebrows and the roots crackled with the flames. It made me think of when a smith dunks a big axe in cold water to temper it and make it again as strong as iron and there's a tremendous hissing sound. That's how his eye sizzled around the olive wood stake. He gave a great, terrible scream echoing off the rock and we sprang back, terrified. Then he pulled the stake from his eye, covered in blood, he threw it away, out of his mind with pain, and shouted for the cyclops who lived in the caves around him throughout the windy hilltops. Hearing him shout, they came from all around. Standing outside the cave, they asked him what the trouble was. Hey, Polyphemus, they said, what's got you in so much pain that you're making a racket and wrecking our sleep? Is somebody stealing your sheep? There isn't someone using his wiles or strength to kill you, is there? Powerful Polyphemus said back to them from inside the cave, Nobody is using his wiles to kill me, and certainly not strength. Then they said back to him, replying with winged words, Well, if you're alone and nobody's hurting you, then you've got madness from Zeus and you can't avoid that. Just pray to your father, Lord Poseidon. That's what they said, and I laughed to myself as they went away, because my name and consummate cunning had tricked him. Wailing, and in the throes of agony, the Cyclops felt his way with his hands and took the stone away from the door. Then he sat down in the doorway with his arms spread, thinking he could seize anyone going through the door with his sheep. He hoped I'd be that stupid. Instead, I turned my mind to how I could make things work out for the absolute best, hoping there was a way for myself and my crew to escape death. Our lives were at stake. We were very close to serious trouble, so I wove a scheme with all my craft and cunning. And this plan seemed to me like our best bet. The rams were well-fed and woolly, big and beautiful with dark purple wool. Quietly, I tied them together with neatly braided willow branches, the bedding of the inhumanly huge lawless cyclops. Grouping three of the sheep together, the one in the middle carried a man with the other two sheep on each side, keeping my crew safe. Each man was carried by three sheep, but for me there was a single ram, the best by far out of all of them. I lay down, curled up under his shaggy belly, and I wrapped my arms around him. Upside down, I gripped the marvelous wool, resolutely twisting my fingers through it without letting go. So then, we waited miserably for Divine Dawn. You've been listening to The Odyssey Out Loud. I'm Anna Katerina. You can learn more and listen to new episodes at theodysseyoutloud.com. And if you'd like to support the show, you can go to patreon.com forward slash odysseyoutloud. Thank you for listening. <laughs>